Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Welcome to those engaging and watching online as well. Thanks for joining us in this way, and thank you for all, all of you for being here to celebrate this day and each other to meet with the Lord. Like Jim shared earlier, Mother's Day can be a difficult day for many, and so we want to be aware of that and acknowledge that. And so I'd like to begin by sharing a prayer written by a friend um, for Mother's Day. Will you pray with me? The prophet Isaiah spoke for the Lord and said, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Mothering God, we cherish your great love for us. As the Creator, you made us in your image and called life from the earth and the water. In baptism, we are born anew from water and spirit, and your love and care are made known to us as we grow in faith. We give you thanks for those who have been mothers and stepmothers in our lives, for the grandmothers and the aunts and all those who have been like mothers to us, who have shown us your comfort and courage, your peace and your strength. God of peace, we acknowledge that this day, this holiday, was originally created for mothers grieving the loss of their children in war. So today we grieve with all who have lost a child, who have struggled with fertility issues, who've had to give up children in foster care and adoption. May your love surround us and hold us in these tender times. Loving God, we hold tenderly the ones who have difficult relationships with their mothers, those who have separated in relationships, we weep with those who are missing their mothers. In these difficult times, O oh God, we know the distance that separates us, physical distance for safety or distance of time for those who are gone or the distance of fading memories, we know the distance of estrangement and we pray for healing wherever is possible, O oh God. Forgiveness wherever is possible, O oh God, and for the hope that you bring in our lives. Father God, hold us, a loving parent, in your healing hands on this day. Amen. Life is complicated, right? Relationships can be complicated. So today, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit, is relationships. And not any really specific relationships, but, but how do we walk in this faith in the mess of relationship? Likely, there are relationships in your life that are messy. You're not alone. It's okay. In the letter to Ephesians, in the New Testament, we find a lot of instruction and encouragement at the end of that book about how relationships can look. It's all about how we might live as they're trying to discover what does it look like to be a Christian in the world and in their homes. And so we find some instructions about living, about relationships. And some of these verses are very famous. Some of them are kind of infamous. You see, in Ephesians, we find language like, wives, submit to your husbands 
Slaves, obey your masters. And as we hear this language, we might say, what do we, what do, we do with that today? What do we do when we encounter a scripture like this that makes us go, wait, what? <laughs> so before we go and take one of these verses and try to smack somebody with it, which by the way, if you're going to smack somebody with a Bible verse, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> before we do that, I find it so helpful to ask some questions. Questions that are valuable no matter what scripture you're engaging with. And, and the questions are these. Why are they writing this? Why write these things? What's going on in the world around them that led them with the power of the Spirit to address them in this way? And, and what did that first audience that heard them, what did they hear in the text? What would they have reacted to? What might have stood out to them? And so perhaps as we ask those questions, we can cut through all the years of history and influence of culture and art that is informing us in our own reading of these texts. So that's what we're going to do today as we look at a few verses in Ephesians. Why are they writing this? Why is Paul writing in this way? And what did the audience hear? And how might it help us? Because I truly believe when we look at Ephesians and what Paul is doing, we will see that, that there is some truth here that is so valuable for us as we live in our lives and live in relationship. And, and one of the things that emerges is that who is in charge will shape our lives and our relationships. And some of you see that language and get upset. Don't worry, trust me, we'll get there. But I got your attention. And it's true, right? Who we see with authority can stress us out. Have you ever had a boss that was controlling and micromanaging? How did that affect how you operated day to day? I've had a boss like that. I lived with dread, walked with dread, changed how I behaved, made sure to see if they were coming around the corner. Who is in charge shapes how we live and shapes our relationships. In the book of Ephesians, Paul wants to show us that the real authority, the one who's really in control, is Christ. So you don't have to hide, you don't have to be afraid that he might come around the corner because it is your beloved Savior who is gracious and kind and self-sacrificing. And so before we get to language in Ephesians about relationships, I think it's important to understand the whole letter of Ephesians, what's going on here. And so I want to read a, a couple sections, um, and I'll read them from the message translation because it helps us see it in new light and see it uh, alive in our day today to try to understand what is Paul getting at with this whole letter to this group of young Christians emerging in their faith, mostly from a background that um, is not Jewish, so all of this is new. This is Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 from the message. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs for us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Have you asked that question before? Who am I and what is the point? 
We're near graduation season where, where many are asking that question, what's next? What's the point? What's my purpose? And I wish I could say to graduates that after you get through this part of life, you never ask that question again, but you do. We do. These people are wrestling with that question, who will we be and how will we live and why are we living? It is in Christ. Jesus, the center of why we do what we do, who we are, where our value comes from, it is Christ. And then in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, we get another kind of statement of what is going on here. It says, in light of all of this, in light of Christ being the center, in light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the Master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do all this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily. Pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert. Noticing differences and quick at mending Offensive. I love this translation, how it helps us see this big picture. Christ has made us and called us. And so run. Get after it and how you live. Yes, life is complicated. Relationships are complicated. But this part isn't so complicated. Christ gives you value. Christ has called you to live with purpose and Christ has given you a community, a place, a people to act out that life. Do this, Paul writes, by steadily pouring yourselves out for others in acts of love. To be quick at mending fences. I love that. Be people who are constantly and consistently choosing to love people of peace. An echo of what we hear in other writings about Jesus who emptied himself. We are encouraged to empty ourselves for one another. Recently, a friend said to me, I think if I weren't a Christian, I might have said some really mean things in this meeting. <laughs> And I relate, right, as we talk about the challenges we have. If I wasn't a Christian, I, could just, I think I could. But grumble, 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 God says love. <laughs> have you been there? Grumble, grumble, grumble. This Jesus wants to transform me. And they probably have issues that I don't know what's going on at home. And it's probably coming out. And I should probably think about that. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> Don't worry about those inward grumbles. Celebrate that, yes, Jesus is transforming you. Keep at it. Keep pouring yourselves out. That's not to say that you should be a doormat or get burned out, but rather you might develop the kind of life where you are always able to love and care, always looking for ways to care for others, seeing places where your presence and your love can make an impact. 
We have all of that in mind. And then I want to look at a few of the verses from this language in Ephesians 5 that talks about families and households. Because if they are to go as these Christians and live in their world, well, that starts in their most essential relationships. That begins at home, the relationships where they're spending the most amount of time. And so I want to look at Ephesians 5 just briefly. And can I confess a a pet peeve I have about uh, some Bible translations and ways that we deal with this text? I have a pet peeve here. Are you ready for it? Ephesians 5.22 is that verse, Wives, submit to your husbands. And in many Bibles, including the one I have in my hand here, there's a heading that editors have put above it as if this is a new thought. And so we just start there. As if this is the beginning of the thought. When somebody starts talking about how we relate to one another with verse 22, I object. In wedding services, they don't actually do the who objects to this union thing, right? Like they do in movies. But I'm glad they they don't because if they did and the minister had started with verse 22, I would say, I object. Not to the couple, they're wonderful. but, But start a verse earlier. See, in fact, in the original language in verse 22, that word submit isn't even present. There is no verb there. It says wives to your husband. It is depending on the verb that goes in the verse before it. And so we can't read 22 without 21. And so let me read Ephesians 5, 21 for you this morning. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If I was doing some kind of relationship seminar, building some kind of relationship curriculum, this is it. This is my lesson. (laughs) Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the starting point for all Christian relationships. All of our relationships, because they are centered on Christ, because Christ gives us value, because Christ tells us who we are, we submit to one another. We see the best for each other. And in Christian community, there is this mutual submission where we're both seeking the best of each other and we end up all seeking everybody else's best. All of us pouring ourselves out consistently. We don't have time to read through all of chapter 5, but there is nothing in this code that is not dependent on what comes there first. Submit to one another. And this was revolutionary in Paul's day. I I just want to touch on this for a moment. The, The Ephesians are this Gentile audience, and so they have this Gentile culture that has surrounded them, has influenced everything about them. And and Paul is now walking into that culture that they already have and saying, What does it look like to be a Christian in the midst of this. He's not creating some kind of new statement of how everything must be, but how to operate in where they are. And I want to tell you about the culture that Paul is writing into. 400 years before this was written, Aristotle wrote a little something. Perhaps you've heard of Aristotle. He wrote what is probably the most influential household code. It became the law of the land. It's how everybody operated And I want to read an excerpt from Aristotle, and I want to remind you, Aristotle wrote this. I did not. Do not throw anything at me. I do not agree with Aristotle. This is an illustration. 
Aristotle said, a husband and father, we saw rules over the wife and children, for the male is by nature fitter for command in the female. The free man rules over the slave after another manner from that in which the male rules over the female or the man over the child, although parts of the soul are present in all of them, they're present in different degrees. I know, <laughs> right? Aristotle is saying some people are not really a fully people. This is terrible, but it's the thought that permeated the ancient world. It's what these Christians had believed always. In fact, when Aristotle writes, he only addresses the men because, well, he thought everybody else was inferior to him. Paul, on the other hand, addresses directly wives and children and servants. Gives instructions to husbands, not just about authority, but about care, love, even to love your spouse like the Lord who is willing to go to the cross. This is Ephesians 5.25. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you gave flowers to someone, great job, but you've got to go a little further according to this verse. It's radical stuff. I'll let a few scholars say it better than I can. Dr. Lucy Pepiat said, Paul's household code contains within them the overturning of the accepted positions accorded to men, women, slaves, and children, and the expectations placed upon them. Or Dr. Beth Allison Barr in her wonderful book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood, she said, this is radically different from the Roman patriarchal structure. The Christian structure of the house church resists the patriarchal world of the Roman Empire. Paul steps into the world as it is. Paul, likely anticipating that Jesus might come back at any moment, is trying to help these people in the culture that they're in live like Jesus would call them to live. To say, it's not like the world says. The people who matter are not just the male property owners or the CEOs or the wealthy or those with more or those who have the titles or the letters after their name. If Christ is in charge, let that shape your life. You're not in charge. And when Christ is in charge, it changes how we relate to one another. Paul invites us to step into the culture that we live in and then challenge it with the ways of Jesus. To challenge the relationships to look more and more like Christ, to steadily pour ourselves out in acts of love to one another, to notice differences, to mend fences. Are you steadily pouring yourselves out to others in acts of love? Are you growing in your ability not to immediately react, but to seek to understand first, to seek the betterment of others, to cheer others on, to feel with them, slow down and listen to them, be late to the next thing because someone needs you to be present now, or maybe show up on time for someone because they need you to be there on time. I don't know which one of those is hard for you, but whichever one is hard, that's your application. Are you pouring yourselves out for others? Who is in charge will shape our lives and relationships. And we spend so much time living like we are the ones in charge 
All that matters is me. But what if Christ is in charge? And so we are free, secure in his future and his love and his plan and his purpose. We are free to not try to be defined by status or authority or who culture says is the most important, but to see everyone, to love everyone, to pour ourselves out. Now, I know today you may have a broken relationship with a parent. There may not be anything you can do about that. You may have lost someone. It may be hard. Relationships are messy. I want you to say on this beautiful day, I want you to see on this day where we dedicate babies and watch youth read poetry, you have family here. Mothers and fathers all over the place who love you, who you can honor back, mothers and fathers of our church. Show that Jesus is the center in how we live with one another. Constantly pour yourselves out. I want to leave with you again Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 and 4, 1 and 3 from the message. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs for us, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the Master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road God has called you to travel, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences. Quick at mending fences. Let us pray. God, thank you for this beautiful day and this opportunity to be together. And we confess that sometimes it's messy. And it was messy for you too when you enter into the world, when you walked among your people, when you took up your cross. And yet because of your work on that cross, we have been given new life, life forever, and life right now, abundant life that we know that we are loved and valued and cared for, not because of anything but what you say and what you've done. And so make us a people so confident in our own values and purpose because of who you are that we might commit to constantly pour ourselves out in whatever ways you have called us, in our families, in our workplaces, in our ways of doing mission in this community, God, help us to know where you are calling us. But in every way, may we remember that you are on your throne, that you are king, and you have got us. 
Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.